0: Thanks for listening. Join us now
1: for Perry and Shauna replay from 89.3 Modi Radio. We are pumped on this Freedom Friday because we have Dr. Gary Chapman, best selling author of The Five Love Languages, with me, you, Shauna, Ben, and Scott.
2: Dr. Chapman, I just have to tell you right out the gate I'm Shauna, and what a privilege to have the opportunity to talk to you today. And just want to thank you personally for the. The impact of your life's work Of your own story And your heart And and what you do And and how you help us To be able to love better Because that's what God says He says love me Love other people And you've made a huge impact On the world And us doing that better So thank you
0: Well thank you for sharing that Yeah it's very exciting To see what God has done Through various writings (laughs) (laughs) I stand amazed At the whole thing I really do
1: All right. So, you know, we think Dr. Gary Chapman, five love languages that Dr. Chapman and his wife, they've had just the perfect marriage all of their lives. And, (laughs) you know, early on, there were some real struggles. And I'd love to hear that story.
0: Yeah. Carolyn and I had uh, lots of struggles in the early years of our marriage. I had finished college. I'd finished one year seminary. I thought I was mature. Uh, Mm. I was in love with her. Uh, What I did not understand is that she was a human. (laughs) And consequently, she had different ideas from my ideas on almost everything. And we didn't know how to solve differences because when you're in love, you don't think you'll have any problems. (laughs) Uh, But we did, and we ended up arguing with each other because I knew I was right, and she knew she was right. I remember one night, uh, it was pouring down rain outside, and we got into an argument. And in the middle of the argument, she walked out the front door into the rain. And I thought, man, this is bad. Hmm. If a woman walks out in the rain, it's bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are right about so, that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I think God used all those struggles in our lives to give me empathy for people who are struggling, because that's what I've done with my whole life is try to help couples who are struggling in their marriage. And I have great empathy for them. You know, when they sit in my office and say, Uh, we just don't have any hope for our relationship. It's gone on too long, there's too many problems, we just don't agree on anything, and and we just have no hope. And I remember when I had no hope, You know, I just remember saying to God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do, it's not working, and I don't know what to do. And really, and Carolyn, Carolyn affirms this, the thing that held us together was we were Christians, And we saw marriage as a covenant Mm -hmm. that we made with God, not just each other. And that alone kept us together until we found answers on how to work through our differences. And so I say to my to couples in my office, uh, when they tell me they have no hope, I say, you know, I, I can see how you got there. So why don't you go on my hope? Because I have hope for you. I mean, I've worked with couples through the years and I have hope for you. So if you're willing to go on my hope and try some things differently, and if they are, (laughs) and they will do some of the things that we talk about, their marriage begins to change like my marriage began to change. So, you know, I I just, uh, you know, God uses our, our failures in our lives as well as our successes. And the failures often teach us things that we need then to share with other people
1: did you ever have the thought like oh no this isn't gonna make it this marriage won't make it i know you that you fell back on the covenant which is what we need to do but did you ever have that despairing thought like oh my gosh it's not gonna happen
0: yeah yeah i did i just thought i don't know how it can get better because she's not listening. <laughs> she would just listen. I know what would make a good marriage, but she wouldn't listen, you know? And of course she felt the same way about me, you know, that I, I just just always, always had to be right, you know? And uh, so yes, yeah, I had the sense, I don't know how it's gonna work. And here's the other thing. Two weeks after we got married, I enrolled in seminary to study to be a pastor. So here I am studying to be a pastor and miserable in my marriage, Mm. you know, and I I remember the day I finally said to God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do, it's not working, and I I can never get up and stand in front of people and preach hope to them when I don't have any hope. And when I said that prayer to God, there came to my mind a visual image of Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. And I heard God say to me, that's the problem in your marriage. You do not have the attitude of Christ toward your wife. It hit me like a ton of bricks because that was not my attitude. You know, my attitude was, if you'll listen to me, we'll have a good marriage. I did not have the attitude because I remember what Jesus said when he stood up. After he washed the feet of his disciples, he stood up and said, you call me leader and you're right but in my kingdom, the leader serves. Mm. And so I just said to God, forgive me, forgive me and give me the attitude of Christ toward my wife. And looking back, it's the greatest prayer I ever prayed about my marriage because God changed my attitude and gave me a desire to serve her.
1: probably think that Dr. Gary Chapman wrote the five love languages has the perfect marriage always has had the perfect marriage but when he first got married he thought he knew it all surprise surprise he thought he knew it all and it it drove a wedge in his marriage and one day his wife walked out into the rain she was so upset and he had times when he wondered I don't know if we're going to make it. But the Lord just worked in Gary's heart. He surrendered. He humbled himself, and, and, and he began serving his wife. And Dr. Chapman, uh, I understand that God gave you three questions to ask your bride, you know, out of this spirit, this attitude of humility. What are those three questions?
0: One is, honey, uh, what could I do to help you? And she would tell me, and I would do it. And then you know i would say to her uh, what, what would make me a better husband and she would tell me and i would do it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know when you have the attitude of service your life begins to change because yeah. you have a you approach things totally different and when i started you know responding to her that way it was not overnight but probably three months later she started asking me those kind of questions
3: mm-hmm.
0: honey what can i do to help you today How can I make your life easier? How can I be a better wife? You know, so what happened was when God changed my heart and my attitude, and I started approaching her with an attitude of serving her and enriching her life, God used that to influence her to have the same kind of attitude toward me. You know, we've always uh, everybody's always said you can't change your spouse. And that's true. We can't change our spouse. We can't make them do anything, but we can influence them. And the greatest influence we can have is an attitude of love, which is an attitude of service. And when you have it, one of you can start it and you will influence the other person. Now you can't guarantee that they'll turn around and that they'll begin to have that attitude toward you, but it's the greatest influence you can have on them is by serving them.
2: When it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships, man, and especially marriage, you ask anybody whether they're married or not married, what is the number one skill that you need to have in your relationship? And they're probably going to say something along the lines of communication. We know that that is so important, but it is so hard. Why is communication so hard?
0: Well, you know, the elements of communication are talking and listening. Why is that so hard? (laughs) i'm I'm asking the same question you're asking and uh, i think because sometimes we talk and we say things but the other person doesn't hear what Mm -hmm. we say it they hear something differently because they're listening not only with their ears they're listening with their emotions Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's the way we say it Sometimes it's the, the, the facial expression when we're talking that communicates to them something different from the words that we're saying. But I think it all starts with uh, an attitude of really consciously trying to understand the thoughts and feelings of the other person. Uh, ask questions. When they say something, ask questions. Honey, is, is this what you're saying? And you repeat what you think they're saying. And likely they'll say, well, that's not exactly what I'm trying to communicate. And they'll say it in a different way. But you keep asking questions until you can honestly say, I think I'm beginning to understand what you're saying. And I can see how that makes sense. It always makes sense in their head. And when you listen long enough and ask enough questions, you can honestly say, I can see how that makes sense. It's not that you agree with it necessarily, but you can see now how they are thinking the way they're thinking and how they're feeling the way they're feeling. And when you say that, that, that I can under, I understand what you're saying, and I can see how it makes sense. You are no longer an enemy fighting a battle. Mm-hmm. You're a friend who has listened to them empathetically. Then you can say, now, honey, let, let me share my perspective and, and, and see if you can understand what I'm thinking and feeling. And because you have heard them well, they're very likely gonna be open to hear you well. And when you can start listening to each other, trying to understand not only their thoughts or their ideas, but their feelings, then communication becomes a positive experience. And it is, it, it is like oxygen to the body. Communication is to a relationship.
2: And if I'm to be totally honest, I am actually not capable of doing this on my own for in my, yeah. in my own relationship. It wasn't until I practice the presence of God in such a way that even as my spouse is sharing what he's going through and what he's feeling that I go, okay, God, you're right here right now. And I don't have to defend myself. I can, yeah. I'm safe and I can hear what he's saying and I don't have to filter it through. Now, wait a minute. Did I do that? Did he, you know, I can. I can just rest in this moment. You're here with me. Help me to hear what's true out of what's being said and help me to understand what he's feeling. But on my own, I can't do it, honestly.
0: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You know, Jesus said this in John 15, verse 5. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You abide in me. You bear fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned in my life, that without the help of God... I can't do anything. I can't even breathe without the help of God, you know? uh, So I think Christians have it on non-Christians because we have outside help. By nature, all of us, Christians and non-Christians are Mm self-centered. And there's a good part to that. It means we feed ourselves, we sleep, we get exercise, we try to take care of ourselves. But when that becomes selfishness, and we approach all of life with the attitude, what can I get out of this? Two selfish people will never have a good marriage. But because we know Christ and because we've invited his spirit into our lives, we can count on him to begin to change our way of thinking, change our attitude toward the other person. And he gives us the ability to listen realizing this is a person that we don't think this in our mind. This is a person made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. I happen to be married to them. God loves them with an unending love. So father, pour your love into me and let me be an agent for loving them. Your agent for loving them. Mm-hmm. We have outside help. You're right. And uh, that's why I think our relationship with God greatly influences our relationship with our spouse.
1: And I have to say, Dr. Chapman, that my marriage has shown me how incredibly selfish I am, <laughs> Yes, but I'm not as selfish as I was. And in terms of communication, you know, and just being humble enough to listen, God has brought hardships into my life to humble me and cause me to be in a position where I can listen because I'm more humble. So he uses the, the hardships to create humility, which makes me a better listener. Does that make
0: sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why when anyone is going through difficult times, if we realize that God wants to use the hard places in life just as much as he wants to use the easy places in life. In fact, he probably uses them more deeply Mm -hmm. because in the hard times we see the worst of ourselves, and we see the worst of the other person. But when we work through those things with the help of God, come out you know, on the other side, and it, it's not that everything's wonderful then from then on. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we're we gonna have struggles all throughout life. But we recognize God is with us in the struggles, and we're looking to Him for wisdom on how to respond. You know, in the book of James, He uh, says, uh, God says, you know, you lack like wisdom? You ask, and I'll be glad to give it to you. So when we take that attitude of Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need your wisdom on what I need to be doing differently, how I need to be thinking differently. That's a prayer God will answer. He will give you wisdom and then he will give you the ability. You know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without him, I can't accomplish anything. With him, I can accomplish everything that he has in mind for my life.
1: Dr. Chapman, we know that God's best design for sex is is that it would be within marriage. But it seems like we've taken that message in the Christian culture and we've said sex before marriage, bad, even evil. Sex after marriage, good. And I think that message has created shame about sex. You know, we obviously don't want to we want to follow God's design, but we don't want to be shamed and come into the marriage with all this shame. And so I just feel like there's a need to communicate that the desire like my, my daughter is going to be married here in a, a couple of months. Well, less than, less than a couple of months and you know, I've said to her that your longing for your you know, your fiance is a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, I think in many Christian circles, we think in terms of sex is a negative thing. It's a bad thing because so in the church, we have emphasized you know, that sex outside of marriage is not what God had in mind. And it's very, very clear in the Bible. And sometimes the overflow of that is that, well, this is just a bad thing anyway. Listen, God ordained it. Mm-hmm. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper, suitable for him, and they're going to become one flesh. And almost all commentators agree that that little term, one flesh, talks about sexual intimacy they're going to become one. There's something about sex in marriage that unites that couple in a deep, deep way. I think that this is why God reserved it for marriage. It is to be a unique expression, uh, something we don't experience with anybody else that bonds our hearts and lives together. That's God's intention. And that's why when I do a marriage seminar, I do a whole session on the sexual part of marriage because many, many couples, Christian couples are struggling with this part of their marriage for many different reasons, sometimes background, things they've experienced before they got married, all sorts of things. But God intends this to be a a bonding experience. But everything else in life influences the sexual part of marriage, because we're not just physical beings, we're emotional beings, we're spiritual beings, and all that has to come together uh, for sex to be what God intended it to be uh, for the Christian marriage.
2: Also, I think one of the, you know, the simplicity that Perry was talking about of, you know, sex before marriage, bad, sex in marriage, good. That part, sex in marriage, good, is like, uh, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what if you're married and it's not good? You know, there's so much more to it. Talk a little bit about that, about just continuing with your sexuality to pursue holiness within your marriage.
0: Yeah, I think as in every other area of life, we have to grow together. Uh, Whether you're talking about uh, sports or whether you're talking about uh, uh, educational ideas or as in every other area of life we have to grow together that's why i often use the term growing marriage
3: mm-hmm.
0: i don't i don't ever talk about perfect marriages i talk about growing marriages because whatever the area of life we're talking about we have to grow together we have to grow together in communication you know we have to grow together in how we do things, you know, even simple things like washing dishes or loading a dishwasher. (laughs) We have to grow together (laughs) how to do this that that works for each of us. So that's true in the sexual area. Uh, It's not that we just get married, jump in bed, and everything is absolutely incredible, wonderful. No, 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 no. Men and women are different different sexually, like we're different in every other way. And we have to learn to work together and grow together. This is why communication in this part of the marriage is important. We, we're not likely to find mutual sexual fulfillment if we don't communicate about this part of our marriage and part of that can involve reading books that have that cover this idea uh, from a christian perspective and and discussing the things that are in the chapters in that book uh, so you know i think if we understand it's a growth process And the sexual part of the marriage should get better as we move down the road. And it will, if we are communicating with each other. And if we have the attitude of, I want to pleasure you. I want this to be a pleasurable experience for both of us. Let's learn how to do this together. So again, communication is at the heart of growth in every aspect of marriage. Dr.
1: Chapman, Just because we can have sex in marriage doesn't mean that every kind of sex is right or that, you know, one person should demand this of the other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a common problem. And often it's the husband who is demanding things of the wife. The Bible says, you know, you're supposed to yield to me and meet my needs. And, well, the Bible talks about mutually meeting each other's needs. And when we take an attitude of demanding that you do this or that for my satisfaction, uh, that's not the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ is, honey, how can I pleasure you? I want to do something that's pleasurable to you, and, and let's face it, we have different ideas on what's positive and what's negative in the context of sex and marriage. But that's why we have to discuss with each other and be empathetic with each other, and not demand or push push each other to do things they don't want to do. That's not that's not love. So, and I think here's another problem that so many men get involved in pornography, and they expect their wives to be like what they're watching on on the screen. That's an unreal world. Mm -hmm. That is not the world of marriage, and so uh, I think a whole lot of husbands are going to have to wrestle with uh, the fact that they have been so influenced by pornography, and that they bring all that into the marriage, and they set themselves up for discouragement in the marriage. So you know, again, I think we have to hold up the sexual part of marriage with before God and say, Lord, you know what I've done in the past. You know my experiences that are back there, and how they influencing my mind, and I pray that you'll deliver me from all of that and let me be realistic in our marriage relationship and open in our relationship and see it as a growing thing. So teach us together, Lord, uh, what is healthy for each of us. And I think if we take that attitude, uh, we will find mutual sexual fulfillment.
1: And if you're a guy and that's hitting you like, ouch, ouch, that hurts, I can identify it. I've had to have that conversation with the Lord and I could say a whole lot more, but just let, letting you know that I've had to work through that and I encourage you not to, you know, when we feel shame, when we feel guilt, we go the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, those are the worst feelings, guilt and shame, but Jesus can take that and he can cleanse us, heal us and renew our minds. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Shame, guilt, hide. But God says, walk with me. Come out. Where are you? You know, I want to be in close proximity with you. And we all have a lot to learn when it comes to loving each other well. Our awareness of mental health has just like, in the last couple of years, I think especially since COVID, we just have such a greater awareness of that, of the issue of mental health. When you're working with couples and there's awareness of mental health issues, um, what's your advice to them? Because I'm guessing that with all of these things that we're talking about today and the things that are a part of your marriage seminar, they're geared towards people who don't have the extra obstacles of mental health. So can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, in the whole area of mental health, uh, it's a broad term. And some things are biologically or physically based. And in those situations, uh, there, there's the need for medical help and for, for medications that can help in those things, uh, bipolar, for example, you know, there's medications that can help with that. And you take the medications and you're doing fine and you work fine with that, with that uh, mental problem. Uh, there are other things that fall in the broad category of mental health that, uh, don't have a physical answer. It's not a chemical thing. Uh, it has to do with, with trauma, emotional trauma, things that have happened. Happened in the past to you, or things that are happening to you now, and and uh, and typically, many of those it's it's not a medical thing; it's it's a it's a, an emotional thing, and this is where counseling can be so helpful. Uh, and and you know, I say to people who are going into counseling, listen, get the best training you can get because I can tell you, counselors are going to be needed as the years go on, and many counselors right now are overwhelmed because they have so many people wanting to see them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but the good news is there is there is help available, and so what I say to couples is recognize if there seems to be mental problems, explore it with a counselor, explore it with a with a medical doctor, and uh, and seek to get to the root of what the problem is, and then what is the solution. Uh, so because we have to grow in understanding before we can grow in knowing what we should be doing.
1: The wisdom of Doctor Gary Chapman with us via Skype, and you got a chance to see him up close and in person in April, because he's coming. He is. Let me turn your mic on.
2: He's coming to Grace Community Church in Hudsonville on the 15th of April, and you can get all the information you need right now. I'd encourage you to just lock in that date. Just put it on your calendar, plan to be there. It's going to be like 9 a.m. to 3.30, kind of just a, an all-day, one-day event. And Dr. Gary Chapman has just got a heart of gold and so much wisdom to share. All the information is at MoodyRadio.org slash Grand MoodyRadio.org slash Grand Rapids.
0: Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn
1: more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.